Welcome to Monster Chats, presented by Monster VoIP, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales and organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions that come up during today's episode, please text them to 424-378-6966. Please welcome the founder of Monster VoIP, your host, Colin Mitchell. On today's episode, I'm going to be talking with Harrison Tang of Spokio. Harrison and I are going to be talking about self-funding your startup, knowing when to pivot your business model, and giving financial downturn lessons from 2008, and you can apply to the 2020 recession. I'm Colin Mitchell, the host of Monster Chats and the founder of Monster VoIP. Harrison is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Spokio. He started Spokio with his college roommate, Mike Daly, the CTO, and Eric Ling, the CIO, in 2006, in his parents' basement in 2006, and serves as Spokio's chief executive officer. Harrison guides Spokio's product vision to build an experienced team that helps the company realize its mission of making the world around us more transparent. Under his leadership, Harrison has helped build and scale Spokio's user base from zero to serving tens of millions of users. He is passionate about building products and help customers get their jobs done. Harrison, welcome to Monster Chats. How are you doing? No, thank you. Thank you, Colin, uh, for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. I think uh, pretty much everybody knows uh, who Spokio is, so um, I'm really excited to kind of just learn about some of those early days of Spokio and, and how it's, you know, become what it is today. Um, so just, you know, before, um, you know, we kind of dig into some of those things, tell us a little bit about your story and kind of where it all started. Yeah, sure. You know, like, uh, so I, I was born in Taiwan and I came to the United States when I was 13. And, uh, actually looking back, that is actually the hardest, uh, experience I or the challenge I have to overcome, like not knowing English and then going to a, a new culture uh, mm. that I completely uh, don't understand. And actually, when I was in Taiwan, I was a pretty good student. So I was top of the class. And suddenly you throw uh, this like teenager, right, uh, into an environment uh, where he doesn't even know what the teachers are saying. Uh, that was a very, very tough uh, change, you know, going from, uh, for like a better turn, top of the clouds and then just fall down to earth right away. You know, so that was a. I, I think that's probably the hardest, hardest uh, challenge I have to overcome compared to, you know, going applying for college and uh, you know starting a company and all the other challenges I have to face uh, later on. So I did that. Um, I I grew up in uh, uh, Northern California in a little town called Saratoga, California. And just kind of uh, learning my way through, you know, like uh, I remember at first I was just like copying English dictionaries because I, I feel like if I have to read a book uh, and I don't even know what the storyline is, might as well just, uh, <laughs> might as well just copy dictionaries <laughs> because they yeah. all, they all, yeah. Why yeah. not, right? <laughs> <laughs> a book, yeah, a book and a dictionary is basically the same because, you know, because uh, there's so many vocab, so I was doing that, you know, and then actually later on, I, I, when I got a little bit better, I started reading Jane Austen, and people are actually quite surprised, like, why my, like, my, 
I wouldn't say favorite, but my most well-read uh, uh, author is Jane Austen. It's actually because Jane Austen liked to use a lot of SAT2 vocabs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I was right, reading uh, Jane Austen for English and things like that. You know, and then I got into Stanford, right? And then originally as an economics major, once I saw something called hologram, and I was really intrigued. And then so I started looking up coursework and trying to understand what classes do I need to take uh, in order to understand how this thing works. And I realized mm -hmm. I either have to be an electrical engineer or, you know, or apply physics uh, to actually uh, understand how this works. I eventually picked electrical engineer because I figured if this route doesn't work, at least I can have a nice sounding title or <laughs> major that I can get a job, right? So mm. I began a double major in electrical engineer and, uh, and also uh, economics. And, uh, but my specialty is actually in optics. And then toward the end of my college career, uh, my professor actually told me that his life lesson is don't bet against silicon. And I got, I, I got a point. You know, and I can go into hours why he said that, but that was a very, very actually uh, life-changing sentence because it, it was so deep. And uh, I realized that I either have to make a commitment to stay in academics for a long time, or I have to, I have to do something new. So, um, and I decided to do something new, and that's why I started Spokio. Mm -hmm. mm, wow. All right, so let's go back for a second. So when you first, you know, moved here, um, and you, uh, you know, basically resorted to, to copying the dictionary, it seems like you were a very curious kid, right? Because, and, um, and you talked about a couple of, of challenges, um, but you just really had drive to seek out information or get those answers to be better at things that maybe, you know, were, were very difficult for you. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I really, want to know the why. Actually, one of our six company core value is ask the why. And actually, there's a very famous tech talk <clears throat> about the difference between why, how, and what. Most people actually just ask the question of what are you doing? But actually, the most important thing in that three, three words, right? The center of the question is actually why, right? And, uh, and I think for the longest time, I've just really want to know why. And uh, so maybe it's a natural curiosity, or maybe it's just because my parents, for example, they never asked me uh, what grade I got, but rather they, they asked me, did I put in my efforts, right? Uh, actually, that question is actually more about how than why. But my point is, I think my uh, upbringing has always been focusing on the how and why. But for example, when, you, when, the, when some parents are teaching the kids about math, they only care about the answer, right? But my parents always want to know the equation. How do you get to that answer? Right? So, mm. Well, maybe it's part of my natural curiosity or maybe it's just uh, the way I was brought up. I'm always very, very curious about the why. You know, why are people doing things? Why are we doing what we're doing? And uh, I think that has been... Uh, driving me, and that's actually one of our six core values. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, talk to me about um, when you went to Stanford and then you know decided to start Spokio. 
Um, what type of conversations did you have with your parents about that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh, yeah, when I told, told them that, they were like, okay, sure, go try. And then uh, I tried to go fun get some funding. Uh, no one wants to give uh, us money, right? Uh, give me money because I was just literally right out of college or something. Actually, at that time, not even completely graduated from my master's. Uh, so no one wants to give us money. So I have to go to my parents for funding. And, uh, and actually, surprisingly, uh, they say, okay, you know, so they give us funding. But little do I know, it's only a couple years on, about two, three years on, when we almost ran out of money twice, and I have to go, to, go back to my dad, mm. that I realized that, uh, actually, when I told my dad, hey, sorry, sorry to be a bad son, I'm running out of money, so I'm jumping ahead by about two, three years. You know, I said, hey, sorry to to kind of waste your money being a bad son. He's like, the first thing he said to me is, you know, it's okay, right? Uh, because uh, when I give it to you, I already written it off. So that's how, actually how, how much confidence that he has in me uh, when I first started. Wow. <laughs> so, so only then I realized it was actually my mom. Because my dad is like, your son really, our son really needs to go get a real job and get some experiences before starting a company. And it's actually my mom and say, hey, you know, uh, you know, Harrison is actually not trying to ask for money to buy a car or something like that. Why don't you just give him a chance, right? So, but that's that's actually that I only found out later on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, when I first started, it was like, okay, they 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 you know they gave it to to us, and uh, you know, and I'm very very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. And, and your first, your first office was 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 at your parents' house, right? Yeah, that was an interesting story because uh, uh, I just, you know, you when you first started, you you want to keep your burn rate uh, low, right? In fact, you probably want to keep your burn rate infinite because uh, you know because if if your if your burn rate is not you know is uh, <laughs> is high, then you're not going to survive that long, right? So. So actually, we didn't pay ourselves salary. We we're just living in my parents' base, uh, parents' house, and then the office is in the basement. And then when we have challenges, we're just playing video games and things like that. So actually, the first real office uh, is because uh, we got it in Mountain View, right outside of my parents' basement. It's because my dad just couldn't couldn't uh, <laughs> handle it anymore. He said, "Go get a real office." and go pay yourself real salary because I want it to hurt, right? So if mm -hmm. it fails, I want it to hurt, right? Because uh, if you just like stay around and you have infinite runway, then you're not going to run fast. So actually it's my dad who kicked us out of the, the first office, which is the basement and get, go actually rent a very, very small office in mm -hmm. California. Mm -hmm. And how, how pivotal do you think that moment was where it really did teach you that you guys, you know, what did you do differently at that point? Do you think that was a pivotal moment for Spokio? I think so because mentally it's different, right? Because uh, now you are burning. Actually, another thing my, my parents did, my dad did is he actually got my uncle to invest a little bit too, because he said, if you, 
waste my money, it might not hurt as bad as you waste other people's money too. <laughs> so he actually, he actually got uh, got my godfather and uncle to put in some too. Uh, so I'm taking I'm taking really good notes right now because if any of my kids want to be entrepreneurs, I'm gonna yeah. have some good uh, examples of of from your father. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, you know, some people are really, really motivated to start a company or to make money. Uh, I'm not, actually. So, so I think different people need different kinds of uh, education or methods because different people are motivated by different things. I'm, for example, I'm naturally curious about different things. So you don't have to ask me to read a book or go read uh, Wikipedia when I have questions about certain topic, right? I would do it myself. But then, the, you know, building a business, starting a company, right? Like trying to make a lot of money, you know, like that, I'm not, I don't have as much drive as some other people. So I think in this case, my parents use this kind of tactic, right? To actually get me to, uh, to, to, to run faster, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise, when we hit an obstacle, we're just playing like at that time we're just we're playing war like Warcraft three or something like that. It was a long time ago. Yeah, that's your that was your uh, method for dealing with stress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're like, and my my parents were like, I thought you guys were working. It was like, oh, we're just taking a break. And then that break, like, <laughs> is that thirty minutes? It becomes like an hour, you know, that kind of thing. So. So uh, yeah, I think when you are in a separate, uh, and we can t- actually talk about what is the future of work because that's a question that a lot of people are having right now. But actually, actually one, of the, one of the things is that I think the workplace is not going to completely go away because one of the things having an office is this work-life separation or should I call it the new mental space? You know, and I think a separate and a new mental space is quite important because when, for example, right now, this is my bedroom. When you're working in your bedroom, you know, and you have no work-life separation, it's hard to switch the mental state, right? Mm-hmm. So, so and in, in the case of the early years, uh, you know, when the directions are not as clear, right? And uh, there's no teacher telling you that you have to do this assignment and all, all that stuff. Uh, when you don't have that mental state, when your work is the same as your life, I think for people like me, uh, it's easy to slack off. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, okay. So I want to go back for a second because you said something really interesting. Um, you said that, you know, um, making a lot of money is not what motivates you. So that's not your why. So I would ask you, what is your why? What does motivate you? Yeah, I think it actually goes to another one of our uh, core values, which is innovate to learn. Um, I always want to learn. And I think the point of innovation is not to win, right? Because uh, winning and innovation uh, doesn't go together, right? Because uh, innovation by definition is you don't know the answer. Mm-hmm. And if you know the answer, what kind of innovation is it, right? So. That means winning is uncertain. So what is the point of innovation? The point of doing something different is to learn, right? So that you can actually do better and self-improve. And I think at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is like, I like to learn new things, you know? 
talking about my story from the very, very beginning, you know, learning a new culture, a new language, right? Because I was, uh, uh, my first natural language, Chinese, Mandarin, and I had to learn English. <clears throat> and then I have to learn, um, you know, learn physics and all that stuff. And then I have to learn, uh, you know, hologram, which is a complete different discipline, optics. And then from optics, I have to learn uh, <laughs> basically uh, how to build a website, right? CSS and all that stuff. And then I have to learn about digital marketing, performance-based marketing, right? And then I have to learn about how to run customer care operations, data engineering, data analytics, data science. So it's a, it's, it's a, my, my story is a, a, a journey of learning, right? Learning new and different things. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. How, how do each of your co-founders complement one another? Um, for, you know, and, and, and how has that helped Spokio become what it is today? Yeah, that's a very interesting story. So my co-founders are actually all my uh, college roommates uh, or dorm mates at some point in time. And I went to Stanford and how Stanford pick roommates for the first year is they actually send out surveys, uh, actually not, not surveys, basically questionnaires before you actually start, uh, uh, before your freshman year and ask you about your life habits, your interests and things like that. And they'll pair you up with a, with a roommate. So it's a sign, you don't pick one. <clears throat> and then, but instead of pairing up someone who shares the same sleeping hours, same interests, same music, preferences and things like that. They pair you with someone that's completely opposite. Hmm. So my co-founder and my college roommate is someone who likes, who used to like, and only listens to 60s hot rock, where I listen to what he calls South Asian pop music, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, he used to sleep very early, where I'm a night owl, right? And so on and so on. So, so he's a complete opposite of me, and uh, and that is a fact because uh, we meet each other not through uh, actually in some way through chance, but really through this Stanford apparatus that <laughs> that pair me up with someone who gives the answer that's complete opposite of me. Wow. So so that's how we meet each other, and I think that story really sums up uh, about our the Spokio culture. And in some ways, the secret to success is because uh, we complement each other. And I think the Spokio culture is one that respects different perspectives because their co-founders all have different uh, perspectives. In many ways, we all think very, very different. So how do we find a compromise and move forward? And that's the Spokio way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome. So tell me, tell me about um, some of the biggest challenges and pivots that um, that you've dealt with, you know, running Spokio? Great, great. So first of all, we don't pivot at Spokio. Uh, we evolve. Um, mm. So what's different about, uh, you know, I, I know Silicon Valley like to throw this word pivot around and say, hey, it's hip and it's, it's cool. At Spokio, we try not to use that word at all. We like to talk about evolve and evolution. And the difference is one respects the past and the other doesn't. It's all about change, but I think Pivot utterly disrespects the past and recognizes the hard work that other people put in and Evolve does. 
it doesn't necessarily mean that we won't change and revamp and actually um, learn from the past, mm-hmm. right? But I, I think it's just a respect that, hey, even if the past didn't turn out as successful as it is before, there's still a lot of learnings that we can take so that we don't repeat the same mistake. So to, to sum up, uh, and I just want to clarify, we never pivot. We don't pivot. We evolve. And we constantly evolve, you know, and because there are so many things to learn, right? And talking about the biggest evolution, obviously, is a, mat- a one that's about survival, right? So <clears throat> in 2008, we were running out of cash. We started out as a social network aggregator. So at that time, um, Facebook, MySpace, there's a bunch of social networks. It, actually, Friendster was number three. And I don't think most of the young people has even heard of that name. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, there's a lot of social networks. And the idea was to create a meta social network, right? A social network aggregator that simplifies people's digital lifestyle. So actually, we got to some press like uh, GigaOM, TechCrunch, and all that stuff. And we thought we made it. But mm-hmm. the real thing we realized is that, you know, traffic is just the first part of the problem. But how do you monetize that traffic? How do you keep the lights on? That's actually, you know, the next problem that we have to solve. Were you monetizing the traffic at that point or not yet? So at first, no. And then because our hypothesis is that, hey, we have some users, then let's put some ads and we'll be printing money. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and then the, that was a very naive uh, and false hypothesis, as, as, as we can tell. So, <laughs> so we were trying that. Actually, we we tried to put Google Adsense, and then the, we were making four dollars a day. So just about like one Starbucks coffee for four of us. So it wasn't. <laughs> so that's when I actually have to uh, go to my parents, the dumbest investors in the world, right? So. <laughs> for, for more, uh, for more funding. And, um, and yeah, like I mentioned, I think the first thing he said is like, Hey, you know, it's all right. You know, when I gave it to you, I already written it off. I already pretend that it's in the trash can. I already know this will happen. Right. But the second thing he told me is that, Hey, you know, success is not about whether you've gone to Stanford or Ivy right? It's actually about who can last till the finish line. So that's mm-hmm. what he told so, so we start evolving and figuring out, hey, like what are the other ways that this technology, what market that this technology can, can do, right? And we, only, we know we only have like two chances, two or three chances. Otherwise, the funding is going to go out because my parents are not like Bill Gates or anything like that. <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, even with a very low, uh, low burn rate, we're not going to last forever, right? Mm-hmm. So... So I kind of stumbled across this space called People Search uh, because uh, I realized that wow, they're actually advertisers uh, paying a couple cents per click, right, to advertise on searching for other people. And the idea is just like, why don't we pivot the social network aggregator, the social search engine technology, to fit into this space and. We did that, and actually we luckily learned that people, even though they are not willing to pay for their own information, to aggregate their own information, mm-hmm. they're willing to pay for looking for other people's information. And that's how we actually 
evolve and tackle that um, problem, which is the biggest problem for any startup, right? Product market fit. That's yeah. the first time we found the product market fit. Mm-hmm. And so what's the most common use that people are, you know, using Spokio for when they're, you know, looking for people's information? Yeah, that's a very, very good question. So one of the things people don't realize, and to be very frank, I didn't realize in 2002. So a lot of these are actually market research done after the fact. Okay. Uh One of the things that people don't realize is 8% of searches online are about people's names. Okay, so it is the second biggest search query type behind location. So there's a lot, a lot of use cases. And, uh, and actually, our market is quite different. In traditional marketing, right, you start with, let's say, you sell shoes and you start segmenting. So it's a very top-down model. Uh, in marketing, there's a very famous uh, model called uh, segment target position. So it's a very, very top-down thinking, okay? Mm-hmm. Our market is a very, very long tail market, right? Think about, even though you're searching for a name, but the intents and purposes are all, all different, right? Mm -hmm. So our marketing in retrospect is actually the reverse of traditional marketing. It's about clustering. And the difference between segmentation and clustering is one is top down, the other one is bottom up. So we actually cluster upwards and we actually cluster it to about four, key groups, right? Uh, obviously, the, the first one's consumer versus business professional users. Mm-hmm. But the intent dimension usually is connectors and protectors. So connectors are people looking for contact information uh, to find their long lost families and friends. In business case, it will be like finding business leads and so on and so on, right? Protectors, they already know the person. They just want to make sure that the person is who they say they are. So one of the famous bloggers once said, Spokio before you date. That's a, that's a dating research. Is <laughs> <laughs> one of the key protector use cases, right? Yeah. Law enforcement fraud prevention on the, on the business side is one of the key top uh, use cases in the protector side. But long story short, there are a lot of amazing use cases uh, when you're searching for people. You know, we all interact with people online or offline, right? And there's a lot of people intelligence that can enrich these social interactions. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's why we have to uh, use this very uh, unconventional kind of marketing, brand marketing uh, strategy of clustering, right? To identify and cluster our use cases. Yeah. Do you have any interesting stories of uh, feedback from, from Spokio users where they were able to get, you know, very valuable information that, that saved them from, I don't know, maybe a disastrous relationship or <laughs> something, <laughs> else, something else? <laughs> yeah, we have a lot. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we get about 15 million users a month, right? And then the thousands of calls so obviously we have you know probably hundreds of success stories and actually we probably put out about 10 testimonials a month right mm-hmm. so so there's a lot of stories and if you want to learn more like we can definitely provide a couple uh, but some of the very interesting ones like includes for example on the business use case yes yeah. 
like uh, famous uh, automaker use it for uh, to to help their recalls, right? Because when when the uh, when there's a recall, they need to contact their customers. So that when I first heard it, I was like, "What? I never even heard of such use yeah. cases, right?" Yeah, and then the and then there are ones that's fine. Uh, the very touching ones are people mm. using it to find their long lost like like adoptees finding their biological parents. Mm. Those stories are very very touching. Yeah, because in many ways. Spokio is beyond just a connected, right? It's a mean to help people rediscover and understand their identity, right? So those actually kind of, those kind of stories are actually probably the most touching ones. And if you're interested or your audience is interested to yeah. learn these testimonials and stories, we can definitely provide some, yeah. Yeah, those are awesome. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. We're going to take a quick break just to tell you what we do here at Monster Voip. We started Monster Voip, frankly, because we were sick and tired of getting gouged on our business phone bill and getting dropped calls. So today we serve over 6,000 customers. We're passionate about saving businesses money and giving them the features that they need for today's tech stack. If you want to learn more, you can text INFO to 424-378-6966. I'm talking with Harrison, the founder and CEO of Spokio. Um, Harrison, it's been fantastic learning your story um, of coming to the U.S. and going to Stanford and starting Spokio um, and learning more about Spokio. Tell us what's uh, what's your vision? What uh, what do you see Spokio evolving to in the future? <laughs> so I think <clears throat> before talking about vision, we need to because vision by definition is about <clears throat> what we want to become <clears throat> in the next. X years, right? So vision usually have to have a time frame. So I'm assuming you're asking like a 10 year vision. So it's like what we want to become in the next 10 years. But before we talk about the what, going back to mm. the importance of why, we need to talk about why we're doing what we're doing. And that's actually the definition of mission. And our mission is to make the world more transparent, right? And I think <clears throat> that transparency it's not just about data transparency, information transparency. It's all about It's also about contextual transparency, knowledge transparency, and intelligence transparency. And there's all these differences, right? Let me give, give an example. Data transparency. I just tell you, hey, you know, uh, we uh, we did like we generate ten million dollars. Well, that sounds is that good or bad, right? There's it lacks context, right? If, you, if, the, if the market is $1 billion, you only generate $10, $10 million. That's terrible, right? But then <laughs> your expectation starts from zero, zero to 10 million. That's really admirable, right? So it lacks context, right? And so Spokio's mission is to provide transparency, not just about information data, but also contextual, right? And eventually knowledge and intelligence, right? So that's our mission and our vision follows that, right? We want to build the first people intelligence service that help people, right? That not just organize all these billions of records into easy to understand reports, but to help people better search, connect, and know who they're dealing with. Right? So wow. that's our that's our um, that's our that's our vision, right? Um, so that this can actually help people, right? Not just understand what's going on about them, 
have the context of what's going going around about them, right? But also helping them understand what information are out there about them. How can they take a step to better manage, control, and protect their own identity? You know, so that's another aspect of our vision as well. Wow. And so tell me how many, what's kind of the average amount of data points that uh, are on Spokio for, for any one person? <laughs> that's a very good question. So, so first of all, um, the average has a kind of a, in many ways have two definitions, right? One is mean, the other one is uh, median, right? So mean, on the mean side is about like 20 something, right? 20 something uh, uh, records, I think, uh, records. Yeah, I, I need to double check on the exact number, but I think it's a, on the 20 something. Uh, but on the median side, I think it's about 10 or so, right? So, so obviously as we actually uh, include even more records and sources, right? Mm -hmm. This numbers will improve. But then on the, because Spokio profiles are very, very long tail, very, very, very long tail. So that's a rough, rough number. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you and, and more about the Spokio story. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Before I let you go, uh, tell people where they can find, you know, connect with you online or where they can find out more obviously about Spokio or anything else you want to let people know. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to connect, connect me, well, first of all, you can always Spokio me, right? Spokio Harrison Tang, right? Uh, or you can Google Harrison Tang, right? And then I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, right? And then my email is also very simple, Harrison at Spokio.com, right? So if you have questions and things like that, feel free to kind of reach out to me and then love to connect. Mm -hmm. Awesome. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, share with your friends, and we're listening for your feedback. The show is all about you. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Monster Chats, presented by Monster Voip, where we share the tools, methods, and best practices that business leaders use to build new connections, strengthen relationships, and impact sales in organizations of all shapes and sizes. If you have any questions from today's show and want to reach us directly, please text your question to 424-378-6966.